You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right, we can celebrate dads just for a moment. Let's celebrate. Well, hey guys, my name's Ryan. For those of you that are new, so glad that you're here and joined us. Uh, It's a happy Father's Day. It's going to be a special day today. I heard a funny story uh, just the other day as about a story about this uh, old man that was kind of on his way to this country store. And uh, when he was walking up to the store, he looked on the front porch, and there was a little boy on the porch, and there was this really huge dog. And the old man walks up, and he gets on the front porch, and uh, he looks at the little boy, and then he looks at the dog, and he says, "Uh, excuse me, uh, son, does your dog bite? And he said, the little boy said, no, no, my dog does not bite. So he bends down to pet this huge dog, and the dog just grabs his hand and bites his hand and thrashes his arm. The guy rips his arm back and goes, hey, son, I thought you said your dog does not bite. And he goes, that's not my dog. (laughs) What I love about kids is kids are always take things so literally, you know? I mean, they just take things so literally. And today what I want to do is I want to encourage you about five things that every single kid needs to hear. I want to show you my family so you can understand kind of contextually where I'm coming from. But this is my dad, a guy on the far left. We've been labeled like the Duck Dynasty family. And uh, he's an old farmer, rancher uh, in his spare time. He's actually a Christian psychiatrist. Uh, We've done some stuff with him here at the church. Uh, He's really influenced and impacted my life in understanding the importance of just mental, emotional, spiritual health. He's an awesome dad. Grew up hunting and fishing. Uh, my brother is on the other side. Uh, that's David. He's a, my younger brother. He actually helped move uh, out here in Phoenix and, and helped plant the church. And after a while, he said, hey, Ryan, once the church hits 100, I'm going back to the rice ranch in Arkansas, building my cabin, going to start a business and build a family. And that's where he's at and that's what he's doing. The other guy on, my, uh, on your right would be uh, my brother, Rob. Rob's a real estate broker, a commercial broker, actually sales uh, farms and ranches. So, you know, they make a couple sales and then they hunt the rest of the year. That's my family. And uh, my dad is a patriarch. Uh, he sets the pace. He's, he's got a reputation in the state. He's a good Christian, strong man. And I love my dad. I talked to him this morning and wished him happy Father's Day. And immediately he said, well, I'm sitting at the table down at your, your brother's house, and he's got dinner, a breakfast for me, and you should have seen it last night. They, my, my younger brother, Dave, has a farmer's market that he opened up, and it's all the rage. He's funny. He called me, and my brother's pretty country, and he goes, yeah, all the yuppies love my farmer's market. And he goes, he goes, they keep me going. So they had this huge event, and a bunch of my old buddies were there, and God's worked in their lives, and some of them had come to faith in Christ. And my dad was just saying, hey, man, I'm, I'm just so proud of you boys. I'm so proud of what, you know, the Lord's done, and, and have a great day, Ryan. And I wish him a happy Father's Day. And today what I want to do is I just want to um, share with you five things every kid needs to hear. The first thing that every kid needs to hear is the words, I love you. Um, for my family, I've got a family. I've got three kiddos. Um, I've got Sam, Riley, Maya. I've got a picture I'll show you in just a minute. And my last name was Rice. And so um, when I was, uh, I was labeled uh, fried rice because I turned red in the sun. And then my son was labeled white rice 
uh, Sam because he's just always so white. Maya, we call her brown rice. And uh, Riley, we call her wild rice, you know. And uh, Leslie, my wife, we just call her sweet rice. So we're the rice family. And the words I love you are really important. I say them every day, all the time. My, my little girl will say to me sometimes, she'll say, Dad, Dad, I know you love me. I say, yeah, I just want you to know. Did you know that research shows that when a kid knows that they're secure, that they have love from an adult figure in their life, a caretaker, an aunt, an uncle, a father or a mother, emotionally, their intellect, their EQ is going to be higher. There, there's been all sorts of research studies and shown that, you know, when you just give love to a child, that child will just be better off in, in, intellectually, emotionally, relationally, and whatnot. The Apostle Paul says this, let all that you do be done in love. Everything we do, we need to do it in love. love why is that? Because love has a transformative power in relationships. The, in in uh, the Apostle John wrote this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Did you know that when you love your child, you're literally helping push out the fear of that child's life? What are the fears of a child? Will I be liked? Will, do people like me? Am I going to be... Uh, Am I okay? Am I going to be cool? Am I going to be accepted? When you love a child, you're eradicating fear in that child's life. I remember when we first adopted Maya, uh, one of my neighbors said, man, she must have gone through a lot of trauma. What happened to her? I'm like, well, kids don't get into the CPS for some, you know, mom and dad just had one argument. Usually it's traumatic. It's incredibly traumatic. CPS comes, the cops come, they get into the house, they take the child, they call whoever's on the list, and we were on the list. And I remember the story is, is we met, my wife went down somewhere on Dunlap and I-17, met in a parking lot with a CPS worker, and there's little Maya, she's 12 months old, and he, she hands my wife a little like Walmart sack with a couple of items inside the sack and said, here's little baby Maya, take good care of her. She came into our house, and as soon as I saw her, she looked at me, she turned her face, and she went as fast as her little toddler legs could take her, take her to the corner, and she hid from me. I would try to touch her, and she would cower. So I could not be around her. What was wrong? She was deathly afraid of me for some reason. Something happened in her past, and she was afraid. But what does love do? Let's go back what the Bible says love does. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Maya transformed. Her life transformed. I had an atheist neighbor come up to me uh, about six months later and goes, your daughter's face, it looks like it glows and she talks and, and she's walking around and she's like socially engaging and she's hugging you and what did you do? And without any hesitation, I said, we just loved her. We just loved her. Love changes things. Your child needs to hear the words, I love you. Dads, if you, if you for, let me speak to the empty nesters for a moment. You got kids that are out cranking it and doing good or not doing good, whatever. They're, you're, you're alone. Your kids are gone. The words, I love you, are still carry a whole lot of weight. 
I hear from my dad all the time, and he says these words to me, Ryan, I love you, and I'm proud of you. They mean a lot to me. It gives me a sense of security that I'm okay, that I got a place that I can call home. I got a family. The words I love you are so important. The Bible tells us that our whole Christian faith is determined by how we love people. It's the mark. It's the characteristic that makes us who we are. Your child needs to hear the words, I love you. Secondly, I want to encourage you. Second thing that's most important for you to be able to share with your kid, every kid needs to hear this on the planet Earth, is these words is, I'm proud of you. You may think from a biblical perspective that pride is a bad thing. Oftentimes in the Bible, pride is uh, associated and described as a bad thing. But let me share with you some positive aspects of being proud of somebody The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth and they had turned away from sin and started following Jesus and living for their Savior and the Apostle Paul had addressed it boldly. And this is what he says, I'm acting with great boldness towards you. I have great, what? Pride in you. I'm filled with comfort in all our affliction. I am overflowing with joy. That's a good sense of pride. You You can tell your child You can say, I'm proud of you on the way that you handled that situation. I asked you to go to your room, you went to your room. Or for olders, hey, I'm proud of you that when the way you are tackling your homework or I'm proud of you by the way you're navigating relationships or I'm proud of you on the decisions that you're making and associating with the right kind of friends or I'm proud of you for thinking through and praying through the job decision that you needed to take. The words I'm proud are very important. Thirdly, I'd like to encourage you to ask the question um, about encouragement. Are you encouraging to your, your kids? Um, how do you do that? You simply say a phrase like this, you're good at, and then you fill in the blank. Sometimes we have kids that are deprived from mom and dad's encouragement, and they find that affirmation from a, from a teacher, from a Sunday school teacher, a school teacher, a coach, somebody outside, but we need to be the ones, moms, dads, to say, you're good at, and what are they good at? Well, in my household, I tell my little girl, Riley, she's taken up cheer, and she didn't want to do cheer for a period of time, and I thought she was really good, and I said, Riley, you're really good at cheer, like you work with the team, and then she was named cheer captain. So you're really good at that, and Sam, Sam was apprehensive about football, and he said, I don't know if I want to play football, I'm not built like, you know, huge. I'm like, no, you're not but you're fast and you're really good at running. Saying words like you're good at this or you're good at that, you're good at maybe for my daughter Maya, just uh, last night she sat down and had him take an electronic break because mom mom's gone right now, she's back in Arkansas, and so I'm in control, pray for me. And I, so pulling electronics is like exercising demons sometimes. You're like, no, give me that. Uh, but... I got the electronics away from the children and I told Maya, go color, you know, and I printed out all these funny coloring uh, drawings and she was sitting there drawing and coloring. She had this beautiful collage of uh, things that she had colored and she said, dad, these are for you for Father's Day. And she did such a great job and I put them up on my wall and I said, thank you so much, Maya. And I said, you're really good at this. 
Kids need to hear what they're good at. I remember my dad early on, he told me, I, he, he, I was a bad kid, a really bad kid. I was the parent, if you have a teenager, you wanted nothing to do with Ryan Rice. You wanted him away from your children. Um, when I would show up at the youth group, they'd be, I could see the leaders, they'd be like, come here. Uh, Ryan's here, go over there, put two people on him, watch him. Sit beside him, act like you're just being friends with him. Watch him. So I was the kid. Everybody was. I was the kid that everybody was concerned about. My once I became a Christian when I was 19 years old, my dad would introduce me. Very funny. He'd be like, "This is my son. He used to run with the devil, but now he walks with the Lord." So I mean, I was a bad dude and. I remember, though, you know, my dad, once I became a Christian, he said, son, you're good organizationally. Like, you organized all these terrible things in high school and got yourself in so much trouble. But that's a gift. And I was like, thank you, dad. You have to fish hard for compliments when you're a bad kid, you know. So uh, then he said, but son, what if God's using that for leadership in the church in the future? As you know, one of my, my top gifts is like administration and organization. Like I can organize things. I'm not a detailed guy, but I can help move things around. And then my dad said to me, son, like you're good relationally. I, that's a gift. Like you can handle and navigate conflict. Like that's a gift, son. You should cultivate that. Dads, you have the power of life and death with the tongue. That's what the Bible says. You can bring life to that child and you can help that child overcome all sorts of discouragement, setbacks, hardships, uh, false uh, realities, false perceptions. You have that in your hands and you can do that. Even if you got kids that are moved away, out of state, whatever, pick up the phone and say words like, hey, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're good at. I'm 40 years old. My, my old man still calls me and says those kind of words. It means a lot to me. You know, I, I want to encourage you. Uh, the Apostle Paul says it like this. He challenges fathers. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become, what, discouraged. I think we have perhaps one of the most discouraged young generations that we've ever had before. It's called the I generation. Just do a little time. Get on Wikipedia. Wikipedia will help you out. All sorts of other Barna research, Barna report. There's all sorts of Gallup polls, all sorts of tons of stuff you could see. But according to experts, they're saying that this is one of the most discouraged, depressed, anxiety-ridden, and suicidal generations that we've ever faced. But there is hope because they're also one of the most spiritually receptive generations. And we've got an opportunity, dads, to encourage, not discourage. The Apostle Paul addressed three different churches about this idea of encouragement. And with the church in Colossae, I guess there were some pretty tough guys there, some tough dads, being a little too hard on their kids. Go clean your room. Kid cleans his room the best he can, you know, because he's thinking this is my definition of clean and dad's definition of clean and different. Dad walks in the room, what in the world, this and that and this and that and this and that. And then the kid feels discouraged. But what about all the things he did do? You know, we can easily discourage our kids. I'm guilty of it, done it plenty of times. I stop and have to say, hey, I'm really sorry. I, let me talk about the things you did do good. 
But we're to encourage and build one another up. The, church, the, the Apostle Paul also addressed the church in Thessalonica. He says that, that therefore we need to encourage one another, build another up just as you are doing. These guys are doing a little better job. They are encouraging. The church ought to be encouraging. Families and households and dads really got to be encouraging. Why? Because you can get so easily discouraged. When you get discouraged, you're not very motivated, are you? When you get discouraged, you can easily feel defeated. And when you feel defeated, you can find yourself depressed. And when you're there, you can, you're susceptible to all sorts of false notions, voices, ideas, thought processes that loom around in the brain. And the Apostle Paul tells us that we're to encourage one another up. I like to say at my household, hey guys, we're builders, we're not breakers, okay? And like my mom always used to say, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at, don't say it. You have control over your tongue, get control of your tongue. You don't got anything good to say? Go to your room. Don't talk. I'm not going to say which one of my kids the other day, though. We were going out to the lake, and nothing good was coming out of this child's mouth. And I said, you can't talk for an hour. And so he came up with all sorts of noises. <laughs> I could have gone into all sorts of jokes about that, mannerisms, but I decided just to lay off, and I just said, good son. Oh, I gave it away. Don't you tell anybody, okay? So anyway, you got to encourage, though, guys. Build one another up. At my household, I like to say, we got to be builders, not breakers. So you can't break each other down. If you're doing that in your home, then you're going to do it at work. How many of you, you go to a workplace, and you've got somebody that's just a breaker in your work environment? They're just discouraging. You did this wrong again. You did that wrong. You see that? I don't know what this person's problem is. They're constantly talking about all the things that are, are hurtful, and it, it can really weigh you down. The Bible tells us that we're to build one another up, and we have that privilege, dads, with our, our daughters and our sons, that we can just build them up. Hey, I'm just calling today to let you know I'm proud of you. I love you. Hey, you're really good at. That means all the difference in the world. When a kid can lay down their head on the pillow at night and think about, well, if I don't feel loved or liked or nobody's impressed with me, at least I got dad. That's good. You need a, we all need a family. We need a place that we can be loved with all our warts and all. So how do you build one another up? You at least do the first three things I was telling you about. You say the words, I love you. You say, I'm proud of you. And you tell the person you're good at. Don't just say, hey, you're kind of good at... Doing all sorts of things. Like, be specific. You're good at cheer. You're good at football. You're good at art. You're good at reading. You're good at writing. You're good at academics. You're good at, my dad would say, getting in trouble. I was, you know, but I had a great relationship with my dad. He'd joke and we'd, we'd, we'd work it out. The Apostle Paul addresses the church in Ephesus as well and says that they need a little backup support. They needed to send in uh, Timothy, a protege, and he says, I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Sometimes we need extra help. The reality is, is if you're married, likely one of you is more encouraging than the other. 
Sometimes God uses another person, whether it be in a marriage relationship or friendship relationships, family relationships, that there's encouraging people. But it was so important to the Apostle Paul that people don't get discouraged that he writes about it. And God saw it fit that you and me would have the Holy Scriptures for us to understand the importance of encouragement. So you tell your kids you're good at these things. Encouragement is a role and a responsibility for leadership. You got to encourage. It's a, uh, encouragement is a role and a responsibility for parenting to help build up our kids. Fourthly, I'd like to share with you that I think it, what every child needs to hear are the simple words, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry could be, it could be a mistake. It might not be a sin, but it's a mistake. I think it's incredibly freeing when I've worked with a number of different people around uh, from you know, church organizations and different organizations and businesses to hear easy words like this that, that ease, I'll say, ease the relationship. They don't necessarily come out easy, but the words, hey, my mistake, I'm sorry. When you say the words, I'm sorry, it doesn't necessarily mean there was some kind of uh, offense and that you sinned against somebody, but it, it acknowledges that you're not perfect and you made an honest mistake. Um, I made an, a mistake, and I don't know how honest of a mistake it was, but the other day with my kids, I was sitting in my truck, and I, like, I'm, you know, I wanted to make sure I had plenty of quarters for my wash when I washed my truck. And so Leslie's out, uh, she's back in Little Rock, and I'm in my truck, and my kids are off at different places, cheer practice, football practice, blah, blah, blah. Maya's at summer camp. And I'm sitting there, and Riley's on, she's texting me about something, and then I... I look down and my quarters are gone. And I'm like, uh, text Riley, hey, where are my quarters? You were in my truck today. And she says, I don't know, I didn't take them. I say, well, do you think your brother did? I don't know, ask him. So I'm texting him, uh, that wasn't me. And then can't text Maya, she can't get a phone where she's at. And, they're, and then they're like, so I come to find out it wasn't Maya, long story short, they text me back. It, I don't know who it was. So I was just like, oh, well, forget it. Well, then I get out of my truck, I grab my coffee mug, and I look down, and there's my quarters. I text back, I'm sorry, my mistake, sorry about that. I thought I had a bunch of thieves in my family, but I guess I'm good. You know, I was cranky and tired, and I just assumed the worst of my kids, and that's not right, so I just need to say I'm sorry. You know, and, and, and you learn to be humble when you're a parent. You should. Because you realize you're just not perfect and that you make a lot of mistakes and, and that, uh, you know, and the good news about Christianity is it's a, it's, a, it's a religion about grace. It's about God's grace. And so you can ease up on yourself and be like, man, God loves me. And uh, I make mistakes and I, I sin and I blow it and God still loves me. Um, and you learn to be humble if you grow in your faith more and more as a parent, as a Christian. You, you can learn to be humble. Jesus told guys around him that were following him, he says this, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So saying things like, I'm sorry, aren't hard for a kid oftentimes. How many times do you, we, we train our kids to do that? Now you say you're sorry to this kid over here. We don't hit and we don't bite. I'm sorry. You know, 
So, I mean, as a kid, I remember all the time we'd be playing around at the dinner table, goofing off, and I, you saw all my brothers. My dad would turn his head. I'd pull a straw out, put, load it with that straw paper, get it a little wet, and poof, shoot my brother with a spitball on the side of the head. And then my dad would turn around, what are you doing? I would say, I was trained, I'm sorry. And then they'd say, don't do that again. As soon as he turned his head, to do it again. Um, but what happens is, is we realize that we need to say I'm sorry all the time as a kid, but what about dad? What about mom? How helpful would it be if in our households it wasn't just the expectation that you have little Tommy or little Billy and say you're sorry, but what if dad said on a regular basis, my mistake, I'm sorry. That's, there's freedom in that. There's a gospel reality in that. You're just saying no one's perfect, everybody messes up. But you go a step further and realize theologically, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means nobody's perfect. That means we were born with sin, that sin is in us. It has infected us, affected us. Nobody's perfect. No perfect people. We got a rule at North Valley and we say no perfect people allowed. So you, you missed a sign. No, I'm joking. We don't have a sign that says that. But there's no perfect people allowed. Here's another important phrase to remember is these words, even more meaningful, is please forgive me. And please forgive me is where you're acknowledging there is an offense and you, there was a, you've been, you have sinned against somebody and you're asking that other person, will you forgive me? And if that child forgives you, there can be reconciliation. And you say to me, are you serious, Pastor Ryan? You would ask your kids to forgive you? Absolutely, I would. Even a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old. Why? What am I doing? I'm modeling the gospel. I'm acknowledging I'm not perfect. And for a little seven or eight-year-old to grant daddy forgiveness, powerful. Powerful. That's right Christian education is what that is. Words like forgive me. Remember the story of a businessman whom I know and love, this guy, but in his earlier years, he was quite a jerk. Uh, as soon as he got married, he told his wife, hey, I, I, I love you, and I'll love the kids that we have one day, but you need to know, uh, uh, don't ever get in the way of my business. Business is first, family is second, because I provide for my family through my business, so don't interfere with my business. Not a very kind thing to say. So he goes on in life and then the economy tanks out and he loses about 90% of his income and he's in big trouble. Files for bankruptcy, loses a lot of properties, loses lots of income. But the good news is, is in that time of, uh, of just rock bottom, he finds Jesus. He finds Jesus and he realizes that he's, he needs forgiveness. And then he reads in the Bible about the importance of asking for forgiveness. So he goes to his wife now his kids have grown, and he goes one by one and asks them for forgiveness. And through God's grace, they all forgave him. And by God's grace, the family was restored. Even his business was restored. The important thing is, is that you don't ever think too much of yourself and think that you don't have to say the words, please forgive me. How many families could have been healed or relationships salvaged if words like this were there. Forgive me. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. 
Words like forgive me, even for a kid, every kid needs to hear the words, please forgive me. The Apostle Paul writes and says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ, uh, as, 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 as God in Christ forgave you. You receive forgiveness and then you can extend forgiveness to other people. If you do it with your kids, chances are they're going to be more emotionally, relationally, spiritually strong and healthy because they understand the essence of the Christian message is, is that we can live in forgiveness through Jesus Christ and therefore we can extend that forgiveness. I remember years ago as a rebellious kid, I remember my dad when he, I pressed all the buttons. I mean, I pressed every single button that my dad had. I knew how to do it. I was a pro. I mean, remember, I was good at getting in trouble. And I pushed all his buttons and I remember that he blew it a couple times. I, he lost his temper. And then he would come to me later and say, son, I love you. Please forgive me. I mean, as a kid, even though I wouldn't have said I'm a Christian at that point in time, I respected my mom and dad's decision about Jesus and the church and all that stuff. But I remember thinking, this guy is so genuine. He's so real. And that was motivating for me to trust God in my life because I saw a guy who lived it out. You hold the keys in your life with the words that you hold, Dad. Every kid needs to hear these kind of words, every child. Words like, forgive me, they mean so much. Why is it that it means so much? Because it echoes into eternity the heart of our Heavenly Father. The Bible tells us that God is a forgiving God. In Psalms, He says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. When we think about forgiveness, when we model forgiveness in our households, we're demonstrating the love of our Heavenly Father. It's a very godly thing to do. It's a very great thing to do. It's a bold thing to do. But I want to encourage you, maybe you're a father and you've got kids that have moved out of the house, but there are some areas that you say, I should take responsibility for that. I should say these words to my kids. Man, it'll mean the whole, it'll mean so much to them. You can't be responsible for their reaction, but you can be responsible for your actions. And then maybe you have kids in the home and maybe this is a paradigm shift for you to start thinking about how you communicate to your kids. And, but this issue of being vulnerable with words like, I'm sorry and please forgive me are crucial for the emotional, spiritual development, not only for you, but especially for your child. I want to pray and... Uh, and in, in just a few minutes, give you an opportunity for those of you that maybe have never prayed to receive Christ, to receive Christ. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to share your word. Lord, thank you that you are a forgiving Father, that you are a good Father. And Lord, right now, for my friends that maybe uh, don't have a relationship with you as their Heavenly Father, may today be the day where they say, I want to I want to be into the heavenly family of God and I, I want to be a Christian. So from your seats, would you just pray with me silently there today if that's you. Dear Lord, 
I come to you today and I acknowledge my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ forgives me of my sin and I confess him today as Lord. I thank you that I am adopted into your family and I have a heavenly father who loves me and cares for me and will never forsake me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.